I had to wait. I wasn't quite sure the, the group was done. You know, like I thought, maybe one more, you know, one more time. <laughs> so <laughs> that was pretty fun. That was pretty fun. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we, we want to go into this time uh, excited to read about heaven, excited to look at that place that's been prepared for us. And so I just ask your blessing on this time and that you'd fill our hearts with joy and fill them with comfort over what you have done and the welcome we will receive when the roll is called. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Um, so there was a group of people from this church that uh, studied Randy Alcorn's big, thick book, Heaven. Some of you were involved in that study. And I was invited to come into one of the group meetings and hear how that was going. And, and I sat down and it was so encouraging to me to have a group of people from our church talking about Heaven, thinking about Heaven, asking questions about Heaven, and that was such a wonderful time, I thought, I want everybody to be talking about heaven. I want everybody to be thinking about heaven um, at church. And, and so that's true. And I noticed that <clears throat> as I do you know, my fall, go through my week, and I talk to people, I hear them now talking about heaven. I hear them asking questions about heaven. And if you missed your small group this week, they're going to say you missed heaven. So don't miss it, you know. So, so there's, this, there's this excitement about thinking about that place that we're going to be. And I, and I just want to say I think this is the right thing. One thing Randy Alcorn mentions in his book um, that you're reading, The 50 Days of Heaven, is that some people worry that if you're so heavenly-minded, you won't be worth anything on earth. You know, you'll be no, no earthly good. But I think the opposite is actually the case. When you look at heaven, you can look at earth the right way, and you'll be of more good to earth because you know that place. When Jesus says, pray that, it, pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you've got to know heaven. You've got to think about heaven to pray about things correctly here. So that's what we're doing jumping into this uh, series. I would invite you to go to John chapter 14. Consider this an introductory message on heaven. We'll, we'll dive into deep stuff as the weeks go on intermediate heaven and, and, and the final heaven in Revelation and what the differences are there. We'll get into some of that stuff. But let's do this. Let's take an introductory look at heaven in John chapter 14, uh, 1 through 6. It says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Bible has a lot of commands in it, and uh, some of those commands may be easier for you to keep than others, but this is a command, and it would probably be up there with some of the harder ones, I would think. Some of you might find do not lie to be a little challenging because you want to 
when you're telling a story, you tend to over, overdo it. Maybe to make yourself sound better. Or maybe you just lie to get out of trouble, and that's just your practice. So lying's a hard thing. But whatever it is, whatever the, the command is that you find hard, I think this one is one you ought to consider. Jesus says it to the disciples, but the application could be for us. Don't let your hearts be troubled. A, a hard command, because this is what they're going through. They've just had the Last Supper with Jesus. They've spent that time with Him, and now Jesus is getting them ready for His death, for His departure, for His leaving them alone. They've spent three years with Him. They've heard His teaching. They've gotten His guidance. They've been through the hard times and the wonderful times. They've seen the miracles. If you think you spent three years with Jesus and now He says, I'm leaving, you're going to have some anxiety over that. You're going to have some trouble. Remember the day when your parents dropped you off for college? And you were like looking out the window and they just drove away and they gave each other a high five and you were like, I saw it! I saw it! You know? <laughs> or, or maybe it was the day you got married. And you're out of your parents' house and you're on your own and the first bill comes in the mail and you're like, what? You know? <laughs> Mom and Dad warned me this day would come and now the bill is here. But maybe in a, on a more serious note, it was the day you lost your mom or your dad and they went to be with Christ. And you thought, there was that person that the Lord gave me, my mom, my dad, and they've been a direction for me and a guidance for me and a source of wisdom for me, and now they're not here to give that. And I reach for the phone, but I can't call them. Trouble comes. Because we get used to people that help us, that encourage us, that give us guidance in life. And this is Jesus and the disciples. He's been their guide for the last three years, and now He's like, I'm going. So they're troubled. And that's when Peter says, you know, if you die... I'll die. I'll lay my, down my life too. I mean, Peter's kind of like, look, if you're going to die, I'm going with you. And Jesus says, actually, no, you're going to deny me three times. What's amazing here is that Jesus is thinking about his impending death on the cross. We know it's going to be horrific. We know he was sweating drops of blood. We know he said, Father, if there's any other way. We, we know all that, how, how hard that is. And yet in this moment, Jesus has to comfort His disciples when His disciples should be comforting Him. And He has to say, don't let your hearts be troubled. And there's that feeling. There's that twist in the gut of, but I've been, I've been so used to having your presence right with me all the time, physically there. I know that none of you are used to having Jesus sitting at the breakfast table with you physically. But if you had that for three years, think about what tomorrow would be like if that wasn't going to be the case. That's the trouble. So we've got trouble. You've got trouble. You've got problems. And in our troubles, wouldn't it be awesome to say to call up Jesus and say, I'd love to have a cup of coffee. Can I meet you? And him to sit down and talk through those issues with you? and give you guidance. I know what you're thinking. Uh, <clears throat> I'm a good preacher, right? You know, this is your guidance, right? I mean, this is your guidance. But, but when you can look somebody in the eye and they can look at you and help you in that moment, it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. That's the church. 
Now, not to have that brings trouble. So I don't know, if you think about your life right now, what's troubling you? What's bothering you? What gets into your heart? And then you think, if only Jesus could just fix this, undo this. If He was here, something could happen. Jesus' word to you is, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. This is the command. It's in the imperative, by the way, in Greek. So it's a command. Don't let your hearts be troubled. So now what? You know, what can you tell me that will bring me comfort? What's your word for me? And that's the next verse. If you look at it. Trust in God. Trust also in me. The answer, number two then, is the heart's cure. Believe. Trust. The, The Greek word means either one. Believe. Trust. In God. In Jesus. I think this is beautiful because there's a parallel here. It's kind of like he's saying, you've trusted in God all your life. You need to trust in me. I mean, there is a reference point here that Jesus is saying, I'm God. You can trust in me. And Later in John 14, he's making it really clear that if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. They're the same. That's the Trinity going on. So you can trust in God. You can trust in Jesus. This is what he's telling them. Believe. Trust. So yeah, if you're troubled, what's the answer? Faith. Trust. I trust God. I trust that He has a plan for this trouble. I trust He's going to get me through this. I trust that I can make it. I trust that it's going to be okay. I trust that He's good. All those things come into play when it comes to faith and trust in times of trial. When your heart's troubled, i got to look there instead of looking at the issue. And so, <clears throat> what Jesus does next is, is wonderful um, because uh, he, he wants them to look at heaven instead of looking at whatever's troubling them. So then you have the next verse. Um, he says, trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you with me and you can be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. So, so th- this is the thing about faith and trust. And later in John 14, he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, that he's going to send the Spirit. Like, you're not going to get me... You don't get physical Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit living in you. You don't get Jesus on the outside, you get the Holy Spirit on the inside. So, I'm not preaching on the Holy Spirit today, but I think I need to make that clear. God is sending a person to help, that's the Holy Spirit. But, what He wants us to do then, when we're in trouble, when our hearts are bothering us, is don't look at the trouble, look at heaven. Look at heaven where Christ is. It's kind of like faith and trust become a matter of seeing when you read the Bible and you see what heaven's like. And you imagine it. You can see it in your mind's eye. And when you think about it, it changes the way you see troubles. It actually brings you comfort. So, my question then is, what's so comforting about heaven? Why does heaven bring comfort? comfort to us in our troubles. And I just want to go through a few that you see in this passage. 
uh, first of all, A, what's so comforting about heaven? There's room for you. There's room for all of you. Every believer, there's a place for you. You know, uh, Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms, many dwelling places. Now, if any of you are reading King James, the word is mansions, right? Mansions? Um, that comes from a Latin version of the Bible uh, that Jerome translated, and then the King James kind of took that idea on. The, the word mansion is actually dwelling place. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. And I think the emphasis here is not on that you get a huge palatial you know, spot, and since I'm a pastor, mine's going to be ten times what yours is, you know. That's not it. It's not supposed to increase our pride, like, look what I get. It's supposed to be comforting of, there's room for you here. There's a spot reserved for you here. And that is a comforting thing. Because I imagine some of you uh, wonder, what is that place like? What's it going to be like to be there? Well, you're supposed to be here. There's room for you. I want to keep going, though. Uh, B, Jesus has prepared it for you. Now, this one's hard. I, I don't have a full understanding of what this means. I'm still wrestling with it. I'd like you to wrestle with it, too. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, what does that mean to prepare a place for you? So, um, some people have said, and this sounds cute, but I disagree with it, that since Jesus was a carpenter, he's been building in heaven for the last 2,000 years. And when he's done with the last nail, you know, he's going to come back. I'm done. You know, I prepared the place. I built it myself. You know, uh, nail by nail, piece of wood, you know, there, gold thing, you know, that he's doing all that. And that's kind of that's cute and it might go on a Hallmark card, but... Let's put it this way. If you're Jesus, and you can say, house there, tree there, river over there. I mean, you can speak, and things just happen. If that's the way you made the earth, why are you picking up a hammer, you know? Like, I know some of you guys like to build, but if you could just say it, wouldn't you say it? I think you would. You'd just, you'd just say it, and it would happen. Now, my other piece of evidence for why I think it's already prepared is that Jesus says, in my Father's house are many dwelling places, many rooms. The idea is, even now, right now, there's many rooms there. Right at this moment. It's a present sort of thing. That's how I view it. So, so what does it mean to say Jesus has prepared it for us? You know, um, I wonder. The disciples are troubled because Jesus says, I'm leaving, I'm departing. Where are you going? Jesus says, you can't follow me where I'm going, although some of you will follow later, he says, which is a reference to death. I'm going to die. You can't follow me right now, although some of you will follow me later. Peter would follow later. Could it be, and and I'm not saying I know this for sure, but I'm saying could it be, that Jesus' death has prepared the place 
for us. That he paid for the place. Uh, sometimes I've done funerals out of town or weddings out of town. And when I do that, the family will book me a room. And I go into the hotel. And I just trust that when I go to the counter and say, I'm Niall Philia, that they're going to look in their records and say, oh yeah, someone paid for this. You're in. Or if they say, I'll take, a, I'll take your credit card, you know, maybe I say, wait a minute, this should be already paid for. The room is already reserved, right? That's what I've been told. And so it is Christ prepared it. He paid for your entrance to heaven. Now, you may know other scriptures about what Jesus may be doing to prepare the place. As I looked, I didn't see other indications of what that might be. Maybe... When Jesus died and went to heaven, he, he spoke, and that's when everything got ready. He, he prepared it. Maybe the other thing we ought to think about is that uh, Eastern custom of marriage goes like this. You get betrothed, and then the groom-to-be goes and prepares a place. He sometimes builds a room onto his parents' home, onto his father's house. And then he goes and gets his bride so she can be with him in that place. So, however you want to understand this, Jesus has prepared a place for us, and we're going to be there. I want to keep moving. Uh, C, what else is comforting about this place? It's the Father's home and yours. So he says, this is my Father's house. And we all know it's a big, big house with lots and lots of room, right? And there's going to be football. There's definitely going to be football. Um, and, and every time the Packers play, they win. That, that's true, too. But, um, but no, what, what I really mean is, do you, know, do you know the feeling of going home at Christmas? And you're sitting at the table with your family, you're eating a warm meal together, you're talking, you're sharing your life, you're laughing, someone tells a joke, um, the fire's going, you look out the window and the snow's coming down, and there's that feeling of warmth, of I am in the place I've always been meant to be on the, at this moment. This is where I've longed to be. And some of you drive and some of you fly far distances just to be in that place because you know the importance of being there. And so when Jesus says, this is my Father's home, and, and it's your home too because you have a dwelling place here. The idea is, when you get here, you're going to know in that moment, I am home. That's what I've been longing for. That's the feeling I wanted. Cut into the apple pie because here we are. And it's warm and it's inviting and it's with my family. And this is my Father's house. If you're scared because you've watched TV shows or you've heard near-death experiences, and you kind of say, oh, there's a bright light, and there's a tunnel, and, and, and it sounds mysterious, and it sounds scary. Can I just reassure you that it's not scary? It's actually home. And if you say to me, I never had that home experience, my response is, just wait. You will. You will. And as imperfect as your family was, when you get there, you're going to have a family experience like none other. It's the Father's house. Lots of space there. 
And when the family all crams into the home during the holidays at Christmas, where are you going to put everybody? Where are they going to sleep? There's room for all of you there. And that's where you'll be. D. Uh, You know the way there. It's comforting because you already know how to get there. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So so that's in response to uh, Thomas, who's blunt. We've got to love Thomas for that. You might, you know, if you were there, you might say, what's the way? What's the way? What did he say? What did he say? Peter, what did he say? You know, like, I would probably, I'd be, I'd be a little more diplomatic. I mean, honestly, right? You know, I, I'd be asking and searching my mind, what teaching was that? You know, did he say that when he was talking? You know, I'd be like racking my brain to remember how the way goes. Oh, yeah, it's the narrow way. It's a, it's a narrow path. So I know it's a narrow road. Wait, where's he going? And Thomas, awesome Thomas. He shouldn't be called down. He's awesome Thomas, you know. He, he's just like, we don't know. Where are you going? Would you tell us, please? And, and you've got to think, every time you fault Thomas, I, I bet Thomas in heaven's going to remind you of something. He's going to say, what's one of the most awesome things Jesus ever said in the Bible? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why did Jesus say that? Me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I had to put my foot in the mouth so that that awesome thing was said. That's what he's going to tell you. Um, or something like that. Uh, you know the way there. You, you, you got this. He, the way to heaven is, is not, uh, I've got to balance the scales and hopefully it's more good than bad. I, just, I did guest teaching last week in the youth group, and uh, we talked about that. You know, if, if getting to heaven is doing more good than bad, how would you ever be able to keep track of all your sins and all your good stuff? How would you ever know for sure? You'd be a mess if that's how it works. You know the way there because the way there is a person. A person. It's Jesus. And then there's this next line, E... Um, if heaven were anything less, Jesus would have told you. Don't, don't you love how he says it? Um, he says, uh, where, where am I at? Let's see. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you may also where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. If it were not so, I would have told you. When you think of heaven, if you have fears, concerns, anxieties about how to get there, what that place is like, will people recognize you, will you recognize people, those anxieties, Jesus wants to set those aside by telling you the truth about heaven. If this were not so, I would have told you. If you weren't going to be with me forever, I would have told you. If heaven wasn't wonderful, I would have told you. If there wasn't a place for you here, I would have told you, you don't have to have anxiety about this. This is your home. This is your home. You belong here. Let's, let's do a little bit of, uh, this, is, this is the nerd in me, you know. Did, did, did you watch the new Star Wars movie last year? Was it last year that it came out, you know? And, and, and you had uh, Han Solo, Chewbacca, Harrison Ford, and whoever plays the, the tall guy, you know. Um, and they walk in the Millennium Falcon for the first time in years. And, and the first thing he says is, you know, Chewie, we're home. You know? And, and, and if you're a nerd, that was a great moment. That was a great moment. You know? If you're a Christian, the, 
the great moment's going to be when you go into heaven and, and, and it takes your breath away and you're going to say, I never realized how much I would feel this, but I am home. If heaven were anything less than that, Jesus would have told us about it. Um, finally, one last thing I want to tell you. Um, and, and when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, he's talking about heaven, right? He's talking about how to get to heaven. And yet what he says is, no one comes to the Father. Now, I would have expected him to say, no one comes to heaven but through me. Jesus is the exclusive way to heaven. But he says, no one comes to the Father. Why does he say it like that? Because heaven's not heaven without God. Heaven's not heaven. I, I don't care if... God created a paradise for you to run through and have all of your wishes come true. If God's not there, it's not heaven. What you're going to understand one day, what we're all going to understand, is that God is what we've always been longing for. He's what we really want. One of your readings this week talked about going into nature and seeing the Grand Canyon, seeing beautiful things that God has made, enjoying things God has made, and, and, and Alcorn was trying to say, don't feel guilty about enjoying what God has made because it came from the giver. It came from the creator. He made it. He wants you to enjoy it. But all those things should make you long for him, to be with him. And so one day you're going to realize everything I always wanted in life really can boil down to one person, God. And now that I'm with him, life is perfect. I am fulfilled. The adventure begins. I'm ready for this. Um, some of you have taken vacations to places you've never been before. And when you went on that vacation, you looked it up on the internet to see it. Maybe you ordered brochures because you're old school like that. Maybe you talked to friends and you said, describe this place that I want to go to. What should I look out for? What neighborhood should I visit? What restaurant should I, you know, should, should I eat at? What, what cultural events should I take part in? I mean, you better believe when we went to Uganda, we wanted to experience everything we could. Take it in. We're here. This is a different place. Let's see it. And when we went to California last year, it was like, well, let, let's, let's explore. Let's, let's see what's out there. And so you make plans, and, and you book the hotel, and you, and you look at the hotel reviews to make sure it's a clean place, and there's no cockroaches under the bed. And, you know, you, you do everything you can to make sure this is all right. Church, what I want to encourage you in is to spend some time thinking about what that place is like. Dig in. Do your readings. Look at the Bible. Talk about it with your friends. When you go to the store, when you see someone in town, hey, how was the reading today? People have already done it to me. I hope they do it to you too. Think about it. Talk about it. Ask questions about it. Look at the travel guide. Because one day, that's where you're going to be. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, it's so interesting that we can talk about a place that we've never been. And we have to give you thanks because you told us. And you told us to comfort us. You told us that when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, 
we can look up from our lowest point. We can look up from the pit and see you and see heaven in our mind's eye and know that everything's going to be okay. Father, for those whose faith is weak this morning, I pray you'd strengthen it. Because we know faith, belief, trust, that is the antidote to trouble and anxiety and fear. We want to set our hope fully on you. In Jesus' name, amen.